Thank you for tuning in to the 412 Double Play Podcast, covering all things pirates. I am your host, Michael Castrogano. Joining me today is my co-host, Ed Wassel. Ed, how are you doing today? I'm excellent. How are you? I'm doing uh, okay. I <laughs> wish that this past <laughs> week had gone a little bit better. The uh, double-double header on the schedule kind of threw off the team because we split both of the double headers. Uh, but I, I think we'll... Uh, We'll just have to see how the team rebounds from uh, two rough series against teams that we really should have done better against. Yes, but let's jump into better. let's jump into the roster roundup. Optioned a bunch of players this week. Uh, Sam Howard, Aaron Fletcher, Miguel Yahure all went down. Uh, two of those as part of the rosters contracting. One of them as we reactivated Anthony Banda. Good to have him back on the team. Obviously, a much better option than Fletcher or Howard out of the pen as a lefty. Fletcher was reactivated as the 27th man for the doubleheader. Um, was sent back down after the game. We also sent Dwayne Underwood on a rehab assignment to Indianapolis. He, I think, has done pretty well. He hasn't given up a run. I'm not sure how many innings he's even pitched down there yet. But um, So that was a positive. Called up Kranich for... Oh, he was the 27th man yesterday for the doubleheader. And then uh, just the craziest thing with Roberto Perez getting injured in game one of the doubleheader yesterday, rounding second. Um, I saw it, and I didn't think it looked as bad like when he fell, but the look on his face uh, and based off of the reports that I've been seeing... It's basically worst case scenario. Hopefully he's not going to miss the whole season, but it, it could be in the months that we are without our number one catcher and we don't have a ton of depth. I mean, we came into the season pretty much with just Roberto Perez. Uh, Michael Perez was recalled to replace Perez, uh, Roberto Perez, who went on the 10-day injured list. Uh, we had to DFA Sam Howard in order to add Michael Perez to the 40-man roster. Uh how do you see the Pirates pivoting with this loss of Roberto Perez? Well, are they still just saying that it's his hamstring? So they're saying it's his hamstring, but to the extent that it was pulled, to the extent that it was torn, uh, I think I was reading a report, well, basically a tweet from Jason Mackey that it's like the most severe that it could have possibly been or close to it. So, like I said, it, it's very likely he's going to miss months and we're going to be without our number one catcher for, you know, until after the All-Star break. So what, what is the answer there? Now, some people obviously were saying, oh, you know, Henry Davis, call him up. He just got the promotion to AA Altoona today, which is great. I think this week we're going to see a lot of guys getting moved up, moved around <clears throat> since we've seen the first one month plus of guys either doing well or not doing well and they've got kind of an idea of where uh, where they should go from there but um, having Michael Perez and Knapp as the two catchers here with I guess Van Meter as a very 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 reluctant sub in because uh, him being behind the plate led to what seven runs in the eighth inning yesterday in that first game the doubleheader, so that was that was rough. <laughs> Overall, I definitely not <laughs> equipped there. 
I, I worry about the depth that we have. Now we've got uh, Jamie Ritchie and uh, Jason DeLay in AAA with uh, Michael Perez being called up to Pittsburgh. It's possible that one of the two uh, catchers in Altoona also gets bumped up to Indianapolis. But do you foresee the issue, the answer being internal, that they continue promoting guys and try to find somebody else to step in? Will they look to uh, pursue either free agency or trade? Like, what is what is the next move for Ben Sherrington? I would assume probably free agency or trade. I don't see uh, bumping those guys up sooner than they need to be. Davis, I would say, is definitely not at that stage. No. <laughs> Henry Davis is not. Taylor Davis is the other one. Uh, yes, I, w- I was referring to uh, Henry. Yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah, Henry Davis. He's been lighting it up with uh, Greensboro. Uh, I'm, I'm eager to see how he handles Altoona. Guys, uh, top prospect Nick Gonzalez has had difficulties there. Other guys have adjusted a little bit better. Guerrero, obviously. Um, so I, I'm eager to see on that. I, I'm not, see. I'm torn. I don't. I don't want Perez or Nap to be the starting catcher right now. I think maybe it's going to be split a little bit more than it was with Roberto Perez, who was doing great. Like, he's not, you know, Buster Posey, where he's going to be winning a silver slugger or anything behind the plate, but the guy was hitting for average. He was getting extra bases. Uh, In the first game on Saturday, I think he scored from first, or maybe that was in the Tiger series um, on a double. So he's he's been moving. It's it's been really interesting to see. Definitely a change from um, what we had with Stallings last year, where kind of a bigger guy, a little younger. Certainly was there as the framer, but the, um, you know we we've got a former twenty home run hitter with Roberto Perez, Nap and. Uh, Michael Perez, who did Homer today, and, and uh, definitely props for him coming up, coming in from um, Indianapolis and being able to do that. But uh, I, I just I don't know that I would want to put down either of them as the the starter for an extended period of time. No, I think both of those are backup options at best. I don't see any consistent play out of either of them. I don't think either of them even... I mean, never had a chance to play consistently either. Uh, I think Michael Perez was, for a time, the regular catcher when he was with Tampa. Maybe? I could be mistaken. Because that's going a couple... He's been with the Pirates for... This might be like his third or fourth season now. Dude, I, uh, thought but, was, I thought it was the second, but maybe it's just the second full season. Yeah, I think we did have a different backup in 2020. Um, I'd have to look into that. But, I mean, the Pirates management obviously didn't think too much of him because they took him off the 40-man at the end of last season. Um, It seemed like the idea with that was getting ready for a Rule 5 draft, taking either um, the third-ranked catcher from the Giants or possibly 
I think the Rays had a really solid catcher that they left unprotected. Uh, we'll never find out how they would have approached it, but now we, we've got a lack of depth, and this is something that uh, many Pirates fans were clamoring about in the preseason. We were going into the spring training, and uh, we had a number of guys um, that could have ended up as backups, but no one was really proven. Uh, I really like Jamie Ritchie during spring training. I thought he possibly could have had a chance. He's in AAA with uh, DeLay and Davis. Um, so I don't know. I- I'm hoping that Charrington does make some move this week. Otherwise, it's going to be a rough couple weeks. Uh, but we'll look ahead at the schedule in a minute. Let's look back at this past week in our weekly recap segment. The Pirates, uh, due to a lot of weather-related issues and two off days anyway, we had a doubleheader with the Tigers on Wednesday, which we split 2-3 in the first game and 7-2 in the second game. Uh, off day on Thursday, rained out game on Friday against the Reds and the doubleheader we lost 2-9 in the first game, won 8-5 in the second game, and then the rubber match today we lost 3-7, late comeback, big implosion by Dylan Peters, uh, walked the bases loaded and then walked in a run Hembry comes in gets a strikeout and then gives up a grand slam to for- former pirate Colin Moran uh, just uh, deflating week to come in expecting to win at least one of those series, but to split one and lose two of three in the other, um, I think it's it's really proving that this Pirates team is not ready to contend. And I certainly don't know too many people who thought that we would be playoff contenders this season, but um, going in against a team that's 3-22 and 22 and coming out with two out of three losses, I think kind of solidifies that there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Do you have any thoughts on the series, uh, good or bad, against the Tigers and Reds? Well, the Tigers series should have been two wins. The game they lost I... was two very costly errors. There were, yeah. That essentially um, sunk the ship. Cole Tucker had a ball kind of bounce right off his glove that he should have been able to handle for, I think, a double play. And uh, Hayes... Uh, airmail to throw. I think Tsutsugo was playing at first, and um, I, I think a more competent first baseman makes that play. Uh, another um, Chavis had an error today. He threw to Tsutsugo, and it bounced right out of his glove, and Chavis was charged with the error. Like, they have to make a slightly more uh, athletic play at first base to make these catches, but I, I think that they, sh- they should have happened, and those both ended up leading to... Oh, actually, the Chavis one didn't end up leading to runs, but the um, Hayes and Tucker uh, both extended the inning, and I think that's where the Tigers ended up getting their three runs. Yeah, I mean, as far as the error for Chavis, I think if, if a ball touches a first base- baseman's glove, that's on them. Yeah, it's possible that they changed the error. Today, I mean... All losses, you can point to one specific person or event that kind of turned the tide. Uh, in the first loss against the Tigers, I would say um, Hayes and Tucker combined making those errors really 
uh, lengthened that inning and, and made it a bit more difficult. Uh, the Reds game, losing um, Roberto Perez to injury right after Andrew Knapp had gotten ejected for yelling at the ump, who, uh, I mean, the, if you look at the calls that the Reds were getting, and, you know, we could go into debating that who knows how long, whether or not the call should have been strikes or balls. It, he definitely had a more lenient strike zone for the Reds, uh, which continued into the second game of the doubleheader. And uh, so Knapp was ejected, first ejection in his career. And then Perez gets injured rounding second the next inning. So, you know, Van Meter is the emergency catcher, hasn't caught since high school, and really was struggling to get calls behind the plate. Will Crow, typically solid, locked down, came in, and just had an implosion from there. Which was unfortunate, but at the same time, you have to score more runs. the Reds yeah. came in with an ERA, uh, rotation ERA of like eight and an overall ERA over six. So you really just need to be able to put up more runs than that. Two yeah, runs in the first two or game, three runs, three runs game, today. Just, they just won't cut it. Yeah. So Especially when you are leading the league, at least the National League, in errors as far as your defensive side goes. Yeah. And I we'll, we'll touch on uh, something we've discussed previously as to why we've that may be the case why we're seeing so many errors uh unfortunately with the pirates and then today like i said uh dylan peters walking the bases loaded you just can't do that he's came in with a a perfect era his era is now at like 2.18 i think uh which is still commendable but he just wasn't showing any of the um pitching fortitude that he had prior to this game not sure what was going on with that, but past couple uh, games kind of feel like the whole team's been messy. Every, every reliever's going to have an off day, though. I mean, it, it sucks that this happened to be his off day. Yeah. But especially, uh, you were saying earlier, I mean, I didn't get to watch the game, but if the strike zone was iffy, and he wasn't getting calls that he's been getting all season, that's going to hurt him even more. Yeah. Now, one of the things, uh, getting back to it, is that the balls, uh, some people are saying, like, you know, the balls are dead. Some people are saying uh, the balls change. I was watching an interview with uh, one of the Mets pitchers, I believe it was Chris Bassett, who said that the biggest issue this season is that the, the balls can change from inning to inning. Uh, he didn't elaborate if it's, like, the feel or the weight or what exactly, but um, we've talked as that... In- possibly being the reason why Hayes, who gold glover all through the every level is suddenly missing bounces, suddenly missing throws um, do you have any like uh, additional thoughts on that? Uh, why that could be the case? I mean it's hard to tell because you don't know what kind of balls they practice with so as a team are you getting this your practice balls from MLB as well? Yeah. If that's the case, now, you, should, you should also have a mix of those balls, whether they be dead balls, hot balls. You know, throughout... Now I, yeah, I think there was a news report came out last year that the uh, Manfred's office specifically sent better balls to 
more important teams, but like the Dodgers and Yankees and uh, those type, types of teams, and more dead balls to teams that aren't going to be hitting home runs, like the Pirates and the Orioles. And So it's possible that that bias is continuing. You look at what the Pirates were able to do in spring training, different ballpark, obviously. We're playing in Bradenton, the low-A team's park. Uh, but a lot of the time, you're seeing these launch angles of like 20 to 30, which is about that sweet spot, exit velocity of 105 to 110, and they're just like medium flyouts. Yeah, I don't think the spring training uh, facilities necessarily matter because I think they're pretty close to the same dimensions as most ballparks. But weather being a big factor, I mean, you're 80, 80 degrees and nice down there, and a lot of right, times the wind's blowing out. Oh yeah, so Oakland Park. You're you're having a lot of help from the wind. Yeah, but I so, have been seeing different reports of players. I think McCutcheon was one of them who felt like he absolutely crushed a ball, and it was like a medium fly out to right field. Yeah, it's it's been ridiculous. But going with that whole from game to game, we started off game two of the doubleheader yesterday, hitting four home runs. Like Reynolds got one. Uh, Tutsugo got one. Castillo got one. Maybe Gamble got the other one. I think it may have been Gamble. So there was just a ton of hard hit balls. And I mean, yeah, Great American Ballpark is one of the most hitter friendly parks in baseball. But it just seems like that's a big difference from game one where we were still getting some hard hit balls just falling short of the wall. So it's it's frustrating to see that. It's frustrating to see the umps calling strikes and balls differently for different teams with no accountability. Uh, I feel like MLB being terrified of the umpire union is going to expedite the move to robot umps, which, I mean, that could be another discussion whether or not that's good for baseball, but... I mean, the... Robot umps haven't exactly been knocking it out of the park either. Yeah. So, but it, I mean, I don't, I don't know who the matchups were, but I know umps are known to give veteran pitchers or veteran batters, uh, let's say, benefit of the doubt or a more lenient strike zone. Sure. I mean, I don't know. And, and more veteran uh, catchers are all also able to get better calls. I know Molina has been the benefit of that. Um, I was I was watching a highlight from a game. I don't remember who the matchup was, but a, the catcher was able to convince the umpire that it was a foul tip strike three when the guy didn't even do a half swing. Um, didn't come close to making contact with the ball. And that was something that happened with the Pirates a number of years ago. I don't remember the matchup on that either. Um, so that's something that if they're able to perfect robot umps, air quotes around robot umps, that eventually people will be a little bit more satisfied. It's harder to be mad at a computer than human error. Yeah, I agree with you on that. But at the same time, how many times do you see, whether it be a a batter, pitcher, it doesn't matter, arguing whatever the call is, and then they show you the graphic of it was definitely a striker. It was definitely outside, but they're, you know, dead set against whatever that call was. Right, but that's the thing. If there's no person for them to argue with, what are they going to do? 
they, they have to like it, it's rare that um, replay reviews that they continue arguing because there's been multiple people looking at multiple camera angles so the replay review has led to fewer ejections overall okay but I think that the, the issue with Nap yesterday getting ejected was stupid I think it was a big head umpire um, we had that incident last week um, I forget which umpire it was but with Bumgarner did you hear about that not only did I hear about it but I watched it multiple times and mind blowing oh my god so for our fan uh, the <laughs> umpire obviously has to check his hand after the inning and he's he's feeling his hand and feeling his hand but the whole time he's just staring him in the eyes like he's having an intimate moment or something and uh, Bumgarner said something like you know if you want to play this little piggy go down to the minors where the kids are and he ejects him I think he used a bit more profanity but I think he said a little bit more than that <laughs> yeah I mean, well it's, in, in it's the umpire's defense he may have a second job as a palm reader and just mixed up where he was at the time you just never know you just because never know there was definitely something going on there yeah I think he was just have, trying to have a moment he's like so your name's Madison right oh three world series rings wow that's that's fun I will say, though, in his defense, he did come out and apologize. He did. So, I mean, good on him. Yep. But, I mean, not until after it went viral and pretty much everyone was on Bumgarner's side, which Bumgarner's, like, the boomer of baseball, so... I mean, that's the thing, too. Like, Bumgarner's a head case, and I think everyone knows Yeah. And I think it would be easy to have taken the umpire's side. And at first, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm sure Bumgarner blew it up but uh yeah it's looking at the video it's, it's tough to really uh say that it wasn't his fault for it yeah I, I can't blame him on that one so all right let's check out down on the farm uh not a great week for any of the minor league affiliates indianapolis and in their series against louisville dropped four or five altoona split the six, six game series with the eerie seawolves Greensboro won three of five against the Asheville Taurus, and Bradenton lost four and then won two against Tampa Tarpons. Uh, all of the teams, the affiliates, are kind of mediocre right now. We're not seeing a lot of surging. I do have a couple players that I wanted to point out from each of the different leagues, or each of the different affiliates. Um, O'Neill Cruz, he's really been stepping up. Still not hitting consistently, uh, but he actually had a positive walk-to-strikeout ratio this past week. Three walks, two strikeouts. He had a stolen base. He had a double, triple, and a homer. Six RBI in five games across 21 at-bats. And an 884 OPS. Definitely a big thing to see, uh, especially from one of your top prospects who's hoping to, well, at least the fans are hoping to get him promoted soon. Um... So that, that's really big. Uh, a bunch of the pitchers like Ronzi Contreras have been doing really well this past week. Uh, I think he's up to 76 pitches. So I we were talking before the call that he potentially could get called up this week. We're going to, because of the doubleheader, need another starter, possibly for the Wednesday game against the Dodgers. Uh, I like 
the chances that he ends up being the one called up. Yeah, I, I can't see any, any other pitcher being called up other than him, honestly. He's he's just been the most... He's got like a .83 ERA since they sent him down. Gave up, what, one run across the whole time? So it's really tough to say that... .87 across three games, 10 innings. Yeah, he gave up one run, a solo home run. 16 strikeouts, seven walks. The walks are still not great, but overall, that's... You can't ask for any better from one of your top prospects, a guy who could be an ace in baseball right now. If he comes up, he's at least number two in the rotation. Yes. Uh, is there anyone in Indianapolis who you feel is standing out? Uh, Pitching-wise or just anybody? Just anybody. Uh, I think... Cal Mitchell, to me, is still standing out. And I mean, Mason Martin has dropped off a little bit. But with the first base production we've had, besides this past home run from Yoshi, it's yeah. been non-existent. Yeah, y- Yoshi's been walking a lot, which is something. I don't think it's exactly... I mean, it, it, if you want to go by the, you know, the Billy Bean, he gets on base. He gets on base. Yeah. That's, that's fine and dandy, but you're, you're only scoring two, three runs a game. It's just not. Yeah, I agree. He's he's still got a 546 OPS. He's um, He walked four times in the past week. Uh, 14 overall in the season. On base percentage, just above 300. I mean, that's, you know not great most of the other starters actually are above that I mean Chavis is 267 but has a higher OPS uh, with his three home runs I like him as the option over um, Sutsugo right now but yeah it's a mixed bag because Martin he's in a bit of a slump right now he uh, let's see the past week he's he's won for his last 19 uh, with nine strikeouts, strikeouts have been a big issue for him throughout the minors. So, yeah, uh, it's expected. He's, I mean, he's one for more... his last nineteen, but he's still got a two fifty three batting average. So, yeah, he, I mean... he was doing really well before that. So, uh, but I agree, Cal Mitchell is a really uh, high performing guy. He's just all season. I don't think he's even slumped yet. Which now that I'm saying it, I'm sure he's going to. He's third on the. <laughs> well, okay, he's. Oh, he's top on the team in uh, qualified OPS. He's got an 891 OPS on the season. Uh, six stolen bases. Hasn't been caught stealing yet. So having some speed on the team would be great. But uh, I don't know about calling him up because you know we've got four really talented outfielders right now with uh, Gamble. Marisnik, who is more on the fielding side than hitting, uh, Reynolds in center, and then Sawinski, who managed to jump a level to become a really productive player. Uh, and I've been really excited about what he's been doing the past couple of games. Uh, I read um, recently that he's already at four defensive runs saved. I, yeah, his, I believe I've read that as well. Uh, 12 games or whatever he's played so far. So that's really impressive. 
Uh, and now that the offense is coming around, it's kind of like all coming together for him. Yeah, I mean, like I said, not that there's necessarily room for Mitchell, but uh, I'd say he's potential after the trade deadline call up because I can see, I can see Gamble or uh, Marisnik being sent somewhere else, and once that opens up a spot, then as long as he's yeah. still playing the way he is. Yep, I definitely could uh, be called up. So, jumping down to the curve, uh, I think they're one of the better performing teams. They've got a lot more of the prospects. Everybody's been really excited about the over Piguero. Um, he's been hitting really well. He's got a 721 OPS over the past seven days. Overall, I think he's one of the top, if not the top players in OPS on the team. Yeah, he's at 912 on the season. Yeah, also, I mean, other than Sawinski, he would be number one. Right, but Sawinski's not even really qualified anymore because he's uh, spent so much time in the bigs. But he's, yeah, so a 912 OPS, a 333, 364, 548 slash line. Um, another guy who I'm really liking, feels like he's been in the organization forever, Lolo Sanchez. He's got a 799 OPS. Um, he's getting uh, speed. He's got four stolen bases to just the one caught stealing. He's got a really nice walk-to-strikeout ratio, 11 walks to 12 strikeouts. Uh, I think that's the best ratio on the team. We see a lot of guys like Matt Frazier, who everybody was really high on after last season, only three walks, 31 strikeouts. Really opposite end of the spectrum there. Um, And Sanchez, over the past week, uh, has been one of the best players. He's 316, 458. 421 slash line, uh, two doubles, uh, four walks to four strikeouts. He's he's just been a really uh, important contributor to that team. That once again, ton of big prospects. You've got uh, Marcano at shortstop, Guerrero at shortstop, uh, Blake Sable, who's a catcher slash outfielder, Nick Gonzalez, who's been struggling, but you know you never know when he can catch fire. He's got a really good swing. Frazier. Shackleford. I mean, this is a, a stacked, in theory, stacked team offensively. And the fact that uh, Lolo Sanchez is able to break in, I don't even know if he's ranked in our top 30 on prospects right now. So I, I'm really excited to see what he can bring uh, to see him take that next step now that he's been able to move up. Like I said, it feels like he's been in our prospect pool for five, six seasons. I think we signed him when he was 16 out of uh, possibly the Dominican. Yeah, he's he's still only 23. Yep. So he's still young, still... I mean, I think he's age-appropriate for the Altoona for AA. Um, Yep, out of Dominican Republic. So maybe a little young based on the competition because Gonzalez is like 24, 25. Uh, Frazier's up there too. And those guys are all pretty much right there with them so yeah uh, but I mean a, a lot of your your uh, Dominican players or just international players are going to end up being a lot younger because you sign them so much younger right I mean I, I think like Wander Franco was signed when he was like 13 by the race <laughs> no way really I, I, I swear to god I, I'm pretty sure he was 13 years old you, you should totally uh, fact check me on that 
I'm almost positive it's wrong. There's no way they could sign him at 13 because I think there's international rules, but I'll have to fact check you for next week's episode. Um, on the pitching side, really big performer guy I've been high on since last season. I think he's in my, like, number six or seven. No, he must be number seven. Number seven in my prospects. Mike Burrows, 26.2 innings. The guy's got a 1.35 ERA. 35 strikeouts, only seven walks. Um, been lights out. Uh, they've got a ton of great pitching there. Uh, Austin Roberts, he's been one of the guys who I thought could really take a step forward this year. Probably more as like a, a relief option. I don't see him being a, a top-tier starter. But Tanaj Thomas, who was part of the Starling Marte trade a number of years ago, 2-1 and one with a .93 ERA and 9.2 innings, looking more like a relief option, could potentially be you know, like a, a high-velocity back-end bullpen guy. But uh, there's a lot of talent in that pitching rotation. Yeah, Omar Cruz is also oh my God. looking pretty Yeah, that's not even getting it to Omar Cruz, <laughs> Kyle Nicholas, Carmen Mladzinski, uh Travis McGregor, Bear Bolomy. Like, th- there's just so many... Uh, big name prospects that we have down there and um, they're all to different degrees contributing really well and I mean you look at the past week there's been guys who have given up runs but it's it's very isolated I, I feel like there's a lot of future major league pitchers you know whether that's starting or bullpen uh, in that Altoona pitching staff um, are there any names that uh, either I've mentioned or I haven't mentioned who you're really excited to see uh, possibly get moved up to Indianapolis sometime this season? Uh, I, I don't agree with uh, with Burroughs. I mean, he, he's just been lights out. Yeah. And this isn't even getting into uh, Quinn Priester, who's been on the injured list since the beginning of the season. Uh, I don't know what the timetable is on him. Uh, seems like it's... Uh, only a matter of time before we start seeing him again. He's one of the top five or six prospects on the Pirates. Yeah, I thought he was like top three coming yeah, into the I year. Mean it, yeah, it varies because you've got Cruz and Contreras, but um, there's also Davis and Gonzalez, so I feel like Priesters, especially, he had a less than stellar 2021 season so he's kind of moved to the five spot maybe right ahead of Paguero although Paguero now uh, I think by mid-season he could move into a top three spot Gonzalez is really losing his footing uh, with this slow start and uh, I think Paguero could end up getting promoted to Indianapolis before Gonzalez does if he keeps going like this I can see Paguero getting getting called up by mid-season I mean, if Cruz gets promoted soon, they're going to need a shortstop slash outfielder. This is true, but Cruz is not exactly lighting up the AAA pitching right now. Right. Uh, it would be interesting to see Paguero go there. He's also had some error issues. I think he's had six or seven errors so far this season. But he did make a masterful catch in left field uh, the other day. I don't why? know how he or why, why he, he left had field. To... He was no, he was playing shortstop. He had to run. He ran all the way back and made like a Willie Mays style catch in left field. Just had just had to happen. You'll have to look that up later. So uh, I'm gonna have to look it up. 
A lot of talent, a lot of stuff to like in uh, Altoona. Uh, Jumping down to Greensboro, Henry Davis, obviously one of the top performers there, somebody that we're going to be keeping an eye on in Altoona now that he's moved up. Um, Over the past week in four games, he had a 1.298 OPS, two home runs, seven uh, seven RBI. The guy was hitting 412, 474, 824 slash line. I, I mean, there's a reason why we drafted him 1-1. Obviously, we were able to save money to get pitchers in the other rounds, the high school pitchers that we had to allocate money for. But Davis is proving why he is one of the top catchers in uh, minor league baseball. Uh, I, I haven't been able to see anything with his defense, but I, kn- I read that that was a reason why they weren't going to be too aggressive with promoting him, but his bat is putting him in a position where he could be a DH in Major League Baseball today and be better than, boy, at least half of the bats that we have on our team now. <laughs> uh, I, I know he takes a real old-school approach to batting. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, he's like dead set against batting gloves, which I love. I was going to ask if he was against batting gloves. Okay. Yeah, which which I love. Well, that'll be interesting. I don't know. We've had a guy without batting gloves in a number of years, but uh, but along with that, Andy Rodriguez, another catcher who's played a number of roles on the team, also doing really well. Um, three hits in his last twelve at bats over five games, uh, but the, he's got six walks and only five strikeouts in that time. The guy gets on base. He has a 526 on base percentage and still a 917 slugging because he had a triple and two home runs of those three hits. Uh, it's really going to be interesting to see both of them moving up. I'm hoping Andy Rodriguez is also going to be promoted quickly because he's just been incredible to watch at this level. I, 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 I'm really impressed that that was part of the Musgrove trade that people kind of like push under the rug and always look at like the Hudson head who's still kind of scuffling although he's starting to turn it up with a 1.020 OPS over the past week starting to hit a little bit more for power with a home run a triple and a double not really seeing the average pickup uh, I see him more as like a fourth outfielder not too high on him but uh, Andy Rodriguez was a big get in that trade overall from the Mets yeah I, I'm big on Andy uh, right from the start, basically. I mean, he wasn't a big no name, but doing a little research, you saw he's he's got talent. Yeah, well, it, it goes back to the uh, Oakland A's mentality. He gets on base. Stop it. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the nice thing with him is he plays any anywhere you need him to. Right, he's been catcher, first base, outfield. Um, DH I really think that that versatility especially since we're seeing it so valued at the major league level is going to help him move up quickly Yeah, uh, we're I'd, not I'd, seeing oh go ahead oh, I was going to say I'd much rather see someone like him over a Van Meter especially if you know oh he's our, our third catcher well this guy is a catcher yeah that's so... the thing you can have Davis as your starting catcher someone like Perez or Knapp as your backup and then 
you've got him as your DH or your outfielder or something like that where he can get behind the plate and at least be okay at it. Yeah, I mean, potentially even your first baseman. Yeah. uh, He kind of profiles more like the Joey Votto early career where he, he walks more than he strikes out, but he still can, you know, give you a 20 home run season, 20, 25 home runs. So it, there's a really a lot of talent in uh, the offense in, I, I think this is kind of a running trend, but the offense in Greensboro is really interesting. The pitching, there's some really good pieces like Jared Jones at times has been really good. I think he's been kind of like iffy so far this season um, Eddie Yeen, he was uh, the second piece in the Josh Bell trade that got us Will Crow. He, he's been uh, scuffling as well. Nick Garcia, one of our uh, draft picks in the 2020 uh, draft. Um, is there anyone on the pitching staff that you think is ready to take the next step forward who um, is someone to watch going forward? No. <laughs> <laughs> No, not at this point. There's not. All right. Well, hopefully some of them do. Uh, Greensboro is a very hitter-friendly park, but uh, there's certainly good defense behind them. And um, as the weather warms up, it's going to get more difficult to uh, keep those mediocre ERAs. Jumping down to Bradenton, uh, probably uh, the worst team record, but... A lot of talent kind of going under the radar. Uh, top two guys, uh, one of which I think I mentioned on the podcast last week, Brendan Dixon, another solid week. In six games, he's got a 304, 407, 652 slash line, two home runs, um, seven strikeouts to four walks, two doubles. Um, the guy is just raking offensively. Uh, I know that you've been really high on Jacob Gonzalez. He's a little bit old for a low A. Uh, so I'm hoping that they uh, either start moving him up or potentially look to move on from him. I don't know how soon he's going to be able to make the major league. He was scuffling a little bit this past week with a 222 batting average, four strikeouts to only two walks, uh, batted four for 18. Um Oh, are there any other offensive guys on the Marauders that you liked this past week or in the season overall? Uh, this past week, uh, Mike Jarvis actually had a pretty good week here. Yeah, Jarvis was really solid. He's another one who uh, his walks and strikeouts are pretty close. Even he's also got more speed, four stolen bases, only one caught stealing. And a 471 on base percentage over that past week uh, was, I think, the highest on the team. He's been, him and Dixon have been really solid uh, overall. I'm not sure what positions they've been playing. I'd have to go back and look at the lineup cards because they're both penciled in as shortstops. Uh, possible ones DHing. We're um, splitting time doing that. Uh, Jace Bowen also had a pretty good week this past seven days four stolen bases uh, wasn't caught feeling at all Clock the strikeout I mean three to six so not horrible but not great yeah but uh 278 batting average 364 OPS 333 slugging 
not a bad week. Yeah, the uh, story of pretty much all the levels. We're seeing a lot of uh, offensive. I don't want to say juggernauts to maybe be a little bit too cliche there, but um, that seems that the offense in the lower levels is a strong suit. The top level, we're not really seeing pitching or hitting being the strong suit. Uh, so I'm hopeful that some of these this offensive prowess progresses throughout the levels and, and reaches the majors. Um, Pitching-wise, guys like Justin Mize are good overall, but haven't really, you know, jumped off the page. He's got a 3.32 ERA with a 2-3 and record. Um, 21 strikeouts in 19 innings is really nice. You know, getting that K-9 through over 9 is always really good. Uh, I'm interested to see, and I don't know if it's going to be, you know, until later on this season, some of those high school pitchers we drafted last year making the jump to low-A ball and seeing what they can do um, at that level, getting a little bit more regular competition. Right now, I'm sh- I believe they're in the Dominican Summer League, so the competition is still strong, but getting these kind of regular reps and, and being able to see a little bit more video of what they're bringing to the table uh, will be interesting to see. Yeah, I think there's going to be a little bit more time before before we get to see them but uh, it, it'll definitely be fun once they get up there. Yeah, definitely will be. All right, well, that ends our segment down on the farm. Ed, take it away with your special. Okay, my special is the late to bloomers. This is these are players that uh, started off slow in the month of April, but now that the weather is heating up, we hope that their bats heat up as well. Uh, my picks are Ben Gamble, Brian Reynolds, and it was going to be Roberto Perez, but I need to figure out something else for that one now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, That went down the drain there. I actually have Gamble as one of my Stargell stars of the week. So I I feel like he's definitely turned a corner this past week. Uh, The defense in the corner has has definitely been there. Him and Marisnik could get a combined, if it were a thing, gold glove there. But uh, Gamble, he's 10 for his last 21. Had two doubles, a triple, and a home run. Four runs, five RBI. Uh, he's batting uh, 476, 500, 810 slash line over the week. Uh, really love what he's been bringing. Great energy. I feel like coming into the season, I thought he would end up being a fourth outfield kind of pick who would you know, pop up and very loudly drop an F-bomb on national television I was at that game we really that yes I was at that game. you're at every game that he did that because it happened almost every spring training game well I was at that one game last year against the Diamondbacks where he did it good yes because he was right in front of me um who were your other guys so Perez obviously that's <laughs> maybe later on the season yeah but, uh Ryan Reynolds was my other guy. Uh, Reynolds is also turning a corner. He got two home runs this past weekend. Um, we're, we're seeing a lot better exit velocity with him, which is really nice. I mean, this past week, I think he hit over 300 at two walks to four strikeouts, which is better because uh, he's, I think, leading the team in strikeouts with like 25 or something like that. I have to go back and check that out. Um, 26 
25 is Perez, so he'll he won't be taking the lead anytime soon. And Bogey's at um, 24, so it's tight race. Tight race at the top by the big hitters. So, but Perez seems like he's seen the ball better. He's seen his batting average jump like 30 points in the past week and a half. So, you know, when you're below the Mendoza line, it's nowhere to go but up from there. Really nice to see what the at-bats he's been putting together lately and um, overall what he's been able to do with this. Uh, Because that was a really prolonged slump that he was in. Yeah. And kind of a territory he's not used to being in. Yeah. So the offense really needs to heat up as the weather turns because it's it's going to be really difficult to continue having these low scoring games and have any kind of faith that things are going to get better with that. Yeah, that we don't have the pitching to uh, win these low scoring games. Yeah. Um, so guys that I think maybe down on the farm a little bit um, well uh, Nick Gonzalez I think he's going to turn a corner soon I feel like his swing is just too good there were when he was drafted comparisons to Mike Trout on his swing it's a very quick smooth swing he's, he's just it's a big adjustment for some guys going to double A. They, they've said that's one of the biggest jumps going from high A to double A. And um, strikeouts continue to plague him. But when he's hitting the ball, he's hitting the ball hard. And if he can start cutting down on those strikeouts. And um, I think that the big thing is he's been swinging less overall. Because his walks have gone up a lot. So maybe being a top prospect, guys are pitching around him more and trying to get him to reach. Because his uh, walk percentage so far this year is 17.5%. To update this to make sure that that's uh, up to date. And that's not a bad number at all. No, it's not. Uh, it's down to 14%. He walked a little bit less. So, he, I mean, it, that's, that's a good amount of time to be walking. But he's striking out 36% of the time. And that's obviously not what you want to see. Uh, on base percentage is still 330. Isolated power 120. Significant setback from a 262 from last year. But um, I think that another issue with him is weather warming up. He'll start warming up too. He's you know playing in Greensboro last year. Most of the season is really nice and warm. Smaller park. Um, he's he's going to make those adjustments. He's been successful at every level. Uh, Cape Cod obviously was colder weather to play in. I can see him really bouncing back. Uh, one of my other guys was Andy Rodriguez. He's already started turning a corner, but I think there's even another level that he can go to. With Davis being promoted, he's going to be the guy in Greensboro. And uh, until he gets the call up to Altoona, I think he's going to prove that he's the best hitter on the team. Uh, like I said before, his walk percentage is off the charts. He he just gets on base. He gets on base better than pretty much anybody on the team. Uh, he's had issues with strikeouts, but uh, I think that that's going to be coming down as he's uh, looking to hit for average more and not try to uh, push out for power. And my third guy, Kyle Nicholas, who's currently a double A with part of the Stallings trade last year. Uh, ton of talent in double uh, A last year with uh, Miami. In eight games, he had a 2.52 ERA. 
three and two record. Uh, his strikeout rate is great. So far, it's uh, 10.53 K through nine. Uh, his walks are actually down this year. It's down to 2.29 per nine innings. I think he's just being a victim of uh, like bad luck with this, and that that's going to con- that's going to improve, uh, especially with potentially pitching to you know number one overall prospect for the Pirates, Henry Davis. Really excited to see the dynamic there and, and how that changes. Uh, he's got an excellent whip too, with a 1.07. Yeah, I think home runs have been an issue for him as well. So excited to see what goes on there, but that's been our late the bloomers. Right. Okay, Stargell Stars. Uh, I already said Ben Gamble kind of said everything that uh, I could say about him. Really excited to see him continue uh, now that we're seeing Reynolds and uh, Sawinski stepping up. That could be a really potent offense in the outfield. Hayes has been really great Had the off day today. Hopefully we're not seeing any kind of wrist issues that are flaring back up. And this was just a regularly scheduled day off. Um, going into the Dodgers series, we're kind of going to need that core four to be offensive powerhouses along with Bogobach, Chavis, uh, Diego Castillo, who's been really good, and then see how it goes from there. Uh, number two on my Stargell Stars pitcher, Zach Thompson. Uh, would not have thought this a week ago. <laughs> The guy uh, who blew up with the 21-0 loss to the Cubs, who had a 10.16 ERA at one point, he was really solid this week. Got a win in relief against Detroit on Wednesday. Pitched five shutout innings today against the Reds. Six strikeouts, no walks, only two hits allowed. Uh, And one of them was a a bloop bunt, which would have been a third strike if Perez had let it go. So he would have had seven strikeouts and only one hit. Uh, Really big step forward this week. We're seeing that he's throwing his cutter more and the fastball less. Definitely doing a better job avoiding bats, avoiding hard contacts. Um, I think the other hit today may have also been a single. So really solid outing for Thompson. Left his team up 2-0 to, you know, leave the game. Probably could have come out for the sixth. I don't think his pitch count was that high. But uh, the streak of starting pitchers not getting the win for the Pirates continues. Uh, was in position for it. Blew up. Let's try again tomorrow. And my number three Stargell Star of the Week, Michael Perez. Here's my defense on this. Would not ever in a season give it to Michael Perez except for the fact that he was in Louisville, basically had no time to pack or prepare to get to Cincinnati, heard from manager Miguel Perez that catcher Roberto Perez was injured and that he was being called up and they were going to have to make some moves uh, had trouble getting a ride due to the Kentucky Derby and then he comes up big today went one for two or one for three with the two run home run a walk uh, was catching Thompson really well I'm not sure what happened with Peters in the sixth Peters couldn't find the strike zone based on what I was seeing it looked like that was more on Peters than on Perez like I said earlier, the team was getting squeezed in both games of the doubleheader. Possible that continued into today. Can't say for certain, obviously, but um, really, it, it was a big moment for Michael Perez coming in this weekend and uh, being able to step in and perform admirably today. So uh, I was happy enough with how that happened. So those are my Stargell Stars of the Week. <laughs> 
I like them. <laughs> All right. So looking ahead for the schedule. Not super favorable. As I was saying earlier, we've got the Dodgers in town. We're starting a homestand three-game series against the Dodgers and then a four-game uh, series against the Reds. Uh, what are your predictions for the next seven games, weather permitting? Uh, I'm going to say with the Dodgers series, we're going to come out with one win. And I'd actually be happy with that. <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> Because, I mean, the rotation is, is dirty and everybody on their team can hit. So it's it's going to be a real tough series, but I think we can we can squeak a game out there. Going on to the red series, I'm going to be bold, and I'm calling for a sweep. Wow, a four-game sweep. A four-game sweep. I mean, we'll see. So it looks like... Subject to change, but it looks like the first game of the series is uh, Urias against Peters. We've got Gonsolin versus Quintana on Tuesday, and then Wednesday is TBD for both sides. So um, the Dodgers having a sub two ERA for their starting pitching, I mean, they've just been, and they're in a very good division right now. Uh, even yeah, the arguably the top division. Yeah, even the Diamondbacks, I think, are at or above 500 right now. Uh, the Rockies are still above 500. You know, the Giants and Padres are pretty much what we expected, but like that whole division is really competitive. Um, I, I, I don't know how that's going to stack out. I mentioned last week on the podcast that I think the Rockies and probably, the, I mean, the Diamondbacks, I can't see hanging on too long once they start playing games against the Dodgers and Giants. Um, but the, the Dodgers have been playing top-tier teams, and they're still crushing it. So um, I, I hope that we win at least one of the three. I think Tuesday may be our best shot. Quintana's been playing really well. Uh, gone somewhat beatable. You know, Pirates coming off a 2-1 to one <laughs> Reds. <laughs> Uh, so I, I would be really happy if we win even one game in this three-game series of the Dodgers. But uh, you never know. Hey, stranger things have happened. Maybe we'll win the series. We'll be looking at this next week laughing at the silly Dodgers, who are now I'm probably going to sweep us. something next week, but it's not <laughs> going to be the Dodgers. <laughs> um, with the Red Series, I, I'm hoping that this team comes back. Come on, uh, be bold. Be invigorated. Bold. I, I'm going to say three of four. I can't see us getting the sweep. The Reds are, and, and this was something that was discussed before the first game yesterday, they're still a Major League Baseball team. They had the hardest schedule uh, the first month of the season. Like, their opponent's winning percentage was over 600. Yeah, granted, they played the Reds. They <laughs> played the Reds, and they beat the Reds, you know, 22 out of 25 times. Uh they're, they're still a professional baseball team. They hung up, you know, six-plus runs on us. Well, seven-plus runs on us uh, two out of the three games, five runs in the other games. So they kind of have our number. And they've always had our number when we've gone to Cincinnati. Well, it, you know, we've, it's, a divi- it's a divisional. I'm sorry. A yeah. divisional. 
foe opponent, if you will. Yeah. Um, I think that Colin Moran coming back to... Well, actually, Votto <laughs> might be back this upcoming weekend because he's on the COVID IL, and if it's precautionary, it's possible that he's back in the lineup, so who knows. But uh, Moran has, I think, historically not performed so well in PNC based on the fact that, you know, we DFA'd him after last season and... <laughs> He went to the lowly when, reds. When, when healthy, he was performing well. He was, yeah, he was okay. I got to give credit where credit's due, but I mean, it was like he'd come back and then get hit in the hand. Yeah, sure. I, he it was, was like, silly. I will, ag- I will agree with you. He he was one of the top fifteen first basemen in the National League last season. <laughs> he was one of fifteen first basemen in the National League last season. Uh, so, yeah, if we win one of three against the Dodgers and then three of four against the Reds, finish the week with a four and three record, that's not terrible. That's certainly better than this past week, which, you know, having four days that we didn't play games and the two doubleheaders is kind of a, a weirder kind of week. But uh, looking ahead, we'll see. And then we've got the Cubs for three games in Chicago, a day off, and then. Cardinals and Rockies. It's the the definitely the month's going to get rough after that. Yeah, that's it's not a good month. <laughs> I don't I don't think we have any good months this season. Uh, we'll see. But this month is not one. So, final thoughts before we conclude the show for today. Uh final thoughts. Uh Shelty sucks. <laughs> at ninety nine percent of decisions he makes, he I think sucks. One of the things that people were lauding him for was in the first month of the season was his bullpen management, and that he was able to like piggyback guys like Peters and Wilson to actually get good starts. And Crow was doing really well. And except, I think he was more lucky than good. And now we're really seeing it, you know, putting I in mean, Pembry today with the bases loaded and giving up the grand slam. It's like nobody thought that was a good idea. As as far as his piggybacking goes, I, I'm not going to say lucky. They're they're fine decisions, but in, in high pressure situations, he has just made mistake after mistake. Yeah, you, you got to wonder. I mean. It's going to be hard, not necessarily to fault him, but to put too much on him with the roster that he has. They're not a competitive team yet. So Yeah, uh, but how long you... are we going to say, okay, well, you know, it's not his fault, it's not his fault. Guys have been, managers have been fired for less than that. I'm surprised the Reds manager hasn't gotten fired and he's got nothing on his team. I, yeah, but I mean, Pittsburgh is still... I would say considered in their rebuild. I mean, is he a bridge manager? I don't know. But I think until you give him a team that should consistently compete and have the chance to win every game, if he's still making these same mistakes, then it's probably time to start looking for somebody else. Well, I'm just glad that we aren't doing the middle infielder and right field with uh, with Castillo or Tucker and moving Hayes to shortstop, those experiments just make no sense to me. Yeah, that, that, you that's need to keep thing. guys in the 
in their positions and have them focus on hitting because they you know they're going to be okay defensively. Yeah, especially now part. that you have four outfielders. I mean, there's yeah. no question about it. There's no reason. And <laughs> for, for the most part, performing outfielders, you know, Gamble and Sawinski uh, and Marista, actually looking over the past seven days, each of if, the... If, Mar- if Maristic got consistent playing time, I think his bat can come around. Yeah, the well, he's already there. Three games in the last week, he actually has a 929 OPS over that time. But yeah, you I would, right. the, the experimenting with, with moving middle infielders to right field, and it, it just... It's not there. It's not working. Yeah. Um, the two things I want him to end. Um, Tutsugo, I don't want him playing in the field. He's Whether it is like a head case thing with the fielders or um, the difference in the balls, Tutugo is just not capable of making any kind of above average plays. If the ball yeah, comes I mean, a little bit too far matter, for him. It doesn't matter what ball is used, he can't catch. It's just... it's frustrating to watch and he's still not hitting like he's, he's getting on base fine but you need a guy who's going to be doing more than that if he's going to get on base anybody can get on base not swinging at the ball theoretically <laughs> yeah depending on who but, you're playing against sure <laughs> yeah you know if I'm playing a team of little leaguers I could get on base too um, but I think that they, they need to shorten the leash on him and on Tucker. I mean, he is still showing that he doesn't have it. Uh, he had a pretty good game against the Reds in that second game of the series, but that's been it. That's been his only highlight of the season. I think he's still hitting at or around 200. Um, he's not, just not doing it. No, he's yeah. at 175 on the season. I know you are. Definitely, you don't like Tucker. Uh, I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt only because he's one of those guys that's been moved around so much. And I just think when you're taking taken out of your natural position, your mind is so focused on, you know, if you're in right field, who, who are my, who's my cutoff guy? What am I going to? Stuff like that. that you're, you're so in your head about the defense that you can't concentrate on your swing. So I'd like to see him get consistent playing time at either second base or shortstop and see where it goes from there. I mean, if he's I would still argue under, that he's if he's still underperforming, getting... okay. If he's still how, underperforming, how... Then, then, you know, send him down or whatever you have to do. I mean, I would also say, you know, Van Meter, I think he shouldn't be staying on the team very long. He's got a 152 batting average. Um, yay, we had an emergency catcher. We didn't have to put, like, I don't know, Vogelbach back there because he would just be a wall. But, uh, <laughs> but that's no Tucker back there. He's played everywhere else. Sure, yeah, why not? But he's all, he hasn't been performing offensively at all. Um, it, it's just, it's tough because we're not seeing a lot of offense from guys who are getting the most playing time. And offense right now is sorely needed on this team. Uh, we talked earlier about how it's starting to come around with guys like Gamble and Reynolds, and now uh, Sawinski, uh, but guys who really need to start contributing or need to get off the team and get out of the way of other players.
players who will contribute, like Tutugo, Van Meter, Tucker. Um, I think it's only a matter of time before the prospects start pushing out the the lagging bats yeah, at the I major agree. league level. I agree. I mean, the offense is definitely... It's been struggling, but it, this, this goes back like six years, maybe longer. Even when... Uh, oh my God, I cannot think of the manager. Hurdle? Yep. Even going back to him, his, his theory was, oh, we're going to have good pitching. Good pitching and good defense will win games. Yeah. But... We don't have either of that now. Exactly. We didn't have it back then either. Well, I, I don't, I don't want to say that. It, you know, you had much yeah. rope, but it was just like... <laughs> I, I thought you were going to go back to the like 2013 to 2015 seasons with like Liriano and Burnett and uh, Volquez in 14. No, because that's when you could have got away with it a little bit. But at the same time, you had oh. the offense. Yeah, I mean, I think that mostly it was the pitching. If you go back and look, like the offensive performances from McCutcheon and some other guys, like Russell Martin was offensively good. <laughs> some other guys. Well, Alvarez was good in like one year, I think 2014. But then he was just like about league average in 13 and 15. And um, it, it was mostly the pitching. But we don't have the pitching now and we still don't really have the hitting. So uh, I'm hoping that this rebuild starts rebuilding soon because there's a ton of guys who are potential high ceiling, even high floor guys in the minors. And I'm anxious to see if they do make it to the majors. But I, it's tough to see the team in like, you know, third year in a row where we know they're going to suck. Yeah, I mean, I, at this I, point, I, I'm going to say as far as rebuilding, I'm going to look at it from a contractor's point of view. I feel like we have all the material. Now it's just a matter of fact of getting the blueprint and getting the right pieces in the right spot. I feel like we should have the blueprint before we got the materials, but... Well, that's silly. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again, Ed. Uh, I've been your host, Michael Castrogano. Thank you for joining us on the 412 Double Play. Let's go, Bucks. Let's go, Bucks.